oh, how do you do this? You know, how do you handle this meeting your parish where they're at and drawing them deeper? You know, where you have non-disciples, you have non-believers, you have seekers, you have all of these people, you have intentional disciples who want to go deeper. What do you do? How do you handle this? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship and whatever else uh, Gomer and I decide to talk about. Um, You guys put up with a lot from us. I know that. I am Dave Van Vickle. I'm not joined by Gomer this week, so I apologize for that. I hope that we'll be back together soon. Gomer is taking care of his uh, beautiful wife. And uh, I know I know many of you are praying for them and have been praying for my family as well. And I just can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, the messages that we've gotten and even just uh, some of the mass cards and things like that that we've received from listeners. So uh, I just I really, really appreciate it. And it's it's felt it really is felt right now uh, in in my life. You know, things are starting to ramp up. We're starting to book talks again. And I just began kind of a new position with a parish for the first time. And well, it's been, I haven't been with a parish in two years, which it's, I mean, it kind of seems like yesterday, but uh, it's, you know, it it wasn't. So it's been two years. And so that's all new. Uh, On Saturday night, we started a speaker series here in Pittsburgh that I'm pretty excited about. Um, It's called the Profundum Series. And it's basically there to serve Catholics who want to go deeper into the intellectual tradition of our faith. Through a fluke, I kind of ended up being the first speaker, which I'm not, I'm not like a, you know, I don't purport myself to be a, a, an intellectual at all, but uh, um, it went well, you know, we had a nice uh, turnout and it, and my hope would be that uh, it would be a place where people can learn uh, the, the deep riches of the intellectual tradition of Catholicism without having to go to like grad school or something like that. So it's one of those uh, outreaches that affects um, the the low-hanging fruit, for sure, uh, of Catholicism. You know, these are people who are very committed. But then there were a lot of people I noticed that maybe weren't yet intentional disciples, but were very intellectual and, and uh, just really that kind of appeal to them. Like, you know, I want to go here and, and have a little debate with myself and, and hear the issues in my mind. So it, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll keep you updated how it, how it goes. Next month, we're having Dr. Peter Kreeft in for a one-day conference for this series. And, uh, and that'll be excellent, obviously, because he's, you know, kind of a behemoth of the culture war, right? And has been fighting the, the culture war for many, many, many years, I know. When I was probably in uh, maybe sixth or seventh grade, even I remember reading one of his books. So it's been I've I've been reading his stuff for a long, long time, and I know for a lot of people they feel the same way, right? That he was kind of the one of the people there that that was holding the line uh, when it seemed like there weren't many people holding the line. So so I'll keep you updated on that. It kind of goes into. What I wanted to talk about today, I wanted to talk about something highly practical. And I was just thinking about uh, parish life. And, and my position now in a parish is different than anything I've had before. But somebody had written to me, a friend had written to me and was asking about how 
he can uh, make disciples, but not just make disciples, but feed disciples. So, you know, we have plenty of, uh, of ways that we can call people into a life of discipleship, but that's not the end, obviously, right? I mean, there is a discipleship is, is the beginning, really, right? I mean, we can go deeper than that. We can, what we're called to do is make saints, you know, and uh, that's hard when you're at a parish. It's very, very hard because you're, you're talking about thousands of people that you're serving all at different levels of their faith. And what do you do? Do you have a thousand spiritual directors meet with all of them and find out where they're at so that they can kind of move forward? Do you, how do you do this? You know, how do you handle this? Like uh, meeting your parish where you're at, where they're at and drawing them deeper into this, you know, where you have non, non-disciples, you have non-believers, non-disciples, you have seekers, you have all of these people, you have intentional disciples who want to go deeper. What do you do? How do you handle this? And that is a tension I know very well. I totally understand this, right? That when I was uh, first in parish work, uh, no matter what kind of an event I had, people complained about it. <laughs> and they would say like, well, why don't you ever do it for people who want this? Or why don't you ever do something for people who want th- like this? Or, you know, kind of that sort of thing. And what it became is I started to realize like, okay, well, we we have to we have to try to feed as many people as possible, but continue to make disciples uh, really on a one-on-one basis in a sense. So so how do you how do you even begin to do something like that is the question, you know, is is the question there. Well, I think when you're in a parish, uh, and this is what I said to my friend, I'm kind of gonna give you the gist of my email back to him. He's at a big parish in Florida. When you're at a parish, one of the first things you want to do is you want to see what's already working. <laughs> okay. If there are big groups at the parish, it's very possible that they're big because something's happening there. Something good is happening there. Okay. You want to see what's already working, you know, and and you want to start to get kind of a feel for the culture of the parish, where where people are are moving to, what are the complaints? That's a big thing that's really important. I I remember when I first went to um, uh, St. Bonaventure's in Shaler, which is, you know, my parish that I talk a lot about here. And I was with my, my, my good friend, Father John. When I first got there, probably the first five or six people I met said to me, gosh, it would be really great if you could bring back Vacation Bible School. That was like one of the very first complaints that I got, right, from the first five people. And it was so clear to me, right? And and what was amazing about it is that you know, vacation Bible school is not hard to do. I mean, it's it's labor intensive, but it's not a difficult thing that, I mean, anyone can do it. You know, you, you buy a kit usually. I didn't, but but you usually do, you know. And what what was so great about this is that right away, people, it built trust, you know. And so that's what I would say is when you come into a parish, be very careful about getting rid of things that are already there that you can use to further the gospel. Okay. Um, you know, there's some popular books out there about parish management where they, they come in and they kind of just clean house, right? They just clean house, right? They're getting rid of everything and, and focusing. And I, I definitely understand the wisdom behind it. And I understand kind of what they're, what the point was. And, and many of these things that they're cleaning out are, are not good things. Okay. I, I, I get that. I totally get that. And there is some of that that you have to do, but be careful. Okay. 
because uh, you want to come in and, and see, like, you know, there might be Bible studies that have been going on for years and years and years that people will say, well, yeah, that's kind of where I've grown in my faith. There could be uh, Knights of Columbus groups where they, you know, came to the Lord through praying the rosary together or something like that. Uh, there could be AA groups. Uh, there, any any number of things could happen, right, where people say, like, this is kind of where I've learned my faith, you know. And what you find in a lot of these groups is there's already one-on-one mentorship going on. It might not be um, a, a personal relationship in the sense that, like, well, it's just one person, two people meeting all the time. But you'll see that one-on-one mentorship kind of happens in a lot of Bible studies. It, it very much, you know, kind of occurs that way, uh, even if there's more than two people in it, okay? It just, it just kind of happens. And so these are things that you can kind of look at and, and say, okay, this is, this is something good that I can keep here, okay? Uh, this is something that maybe if they'll let me in a little bit, I could help improve, and I can push people to. I trust them. I, I know that there's good stuff in this, in this Bible study. I know that they're, they're teaching uh, what the church teaches, and I can push people to that, and that's a great thing. So, you know, I, I encourage you to, to definitely do something like that. Now, with regards to everyone else, I, I want to uh, kind of stress to you, you're going to feel this stress. You're going to feel this stress between one-on-one discipleship, okay, and a thousand people in your parish that you don't want to leave behind, okay? And and there are going to be lots of people. In fact, one of my best friends, one of the people who I trust the most in the church, he, he constantly makes this comment, and it, it drives me crazy. He'll say, uh, no, don't worry about any of that. Just invest in a few people just like Jesus did, okay? Uh, I, I get what they're saying, okay? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. The problem is like when, when a pastor hires you to evangelize a parish, he hired you to evangelize the parish. And so there is kind of a sense of, well, yeah, I, I, could, I could just meet with like, you know, five or six people for this whole year. And yeah, there is such a thing as spiritual multiplication that those people go out and they make more disciples, but it, that's a whole year that goes by without meeting the rest of the needs of the parish, you know? And so I would encourage you to do both, okay? I would very much encourage you to invest in relationships with a few people at a time, okay? These could be the people who are leading your your different outreaches. They could be people that you just meet. They could just be people that God has put in your way. They could be people that the pastor kind of sends to you. That that happens a lot in parishes, I see. Uh, you know, somebody says something to the pastor, they go to confession or something, and the pastor says, you know, you should go meet with the, the, our director of evangelization. You know, you should, you should, he can answer your questions and he can kind of draw you along here, you know. I, th- I think that that's very important. And I would certainly spend a bulk of your time investing in one-on-one relationships, okay? What's what's great about one-on-one relationships? Well, number one, the, the bridge of trust just explodes when you have a real friendship, okay? It's not just speaker and attendee. It's not uh, DRE and parishioner. It's friend and and the bridge of trust just explodes. So that so that really, really helps in the path of discipleship. I guess I shouldn't when I say bridge, I shouldn't say explode. The bridge of trust strengthens, okay, is what we should say. Uh, and that really, really helps the path of discipleship because if someone trusts you, they start to open up, they become vulnerable, 
you start to really understand where they're at in their journey. You understand where they've come from, and then you really truly know what they need. Okay. So I would, I would literally look at your schedule and I would uh, take a look at how much time you're spending in one-on-one relationships. And I would make sure that at least 50% of your time is spent there. Now, it's very possible at some parishes that the pastor's not going to be on board with that. And you're just going to have to try to make do, okay? Uh, the way I've done it in the past is, for the most part, it was the people who I was really investing in were the people who were leading my outreaches, right? The people who were leading Discovering Christ, the people who were leading Alpha, the people who were leading Bible studies. Those are the ones that I really tried to invest in. And that was okay for my pastor because he thought, okay, yeah, they're leading. So Dave needs to spend that one-on-one time with them to make sure that they have the formation that they need, make sure that they're being supported by the parish in the way that they need, all these things, okay? So all that that's really important. And, and I encourage all of you, again, you know, we've, we've talked about the book so many times, uh, but if you haven't yet read Forming Intentional Disciples, one-on-one ministry, your one-on-one ministry is not as fruitful as it could be. That book made things much more fruitful for me. Uh, and it did for so, so, so many people, okay? So please, please read that if you haven't read it, okay? And then get into these one-on-one relationships. Now, let's talk about the tension. What about the other 3,000 people in the parish? And let's say 5% of those people are maybe not disciples, but they're serious about their faith, okay? Maybe it's a, a very serious cultural Catholicism. Maybe it's a very serious more intellectual Catholicism, like they they need to be moved on, okay? They need to be moved forward into their relationship with Jesus Christ. What do we do to feed them? Well, then I think you move into the programmatic, okay? And what you do is you cast a wide, wide net. But there are a few things specifically that I would point to that I think really uh, can kind of uh, move any disciple from where they're at to move them forward, okay? To move them forward. The first is this, lots of scripture, okay? We need to be parishes of scripture study. There should be Bible studies going on. There should be different kinds of Bible studies, lots and lots of scripture studies. And that could mean uh, doing the daily readings. It could mean doing one of uh, Emmaus Press's things, one of any kind of programs. Ascension Press has a million Bible studies, right? We did. We literally bought all of Ascension Press's stuff and we put them on all the time. And we had a library there that anyone could basically start an official parish Bible study so long as they used a program that we approved of. That's why we bought all of Ascension Press's stuff. And what happens in these Bible Bible studies is exactly what happened when you started to read the Bible. Just because you're at a different place in your life doesn't mean the Bible is meaningless anymore. It gets deeper and deeper as you grow closer and closer. So so a Bible study is a very good way to meet people where they're at and to draw them deeper. Some Bible studies are, uh, are, are a little bit of the shallow end. Some are of the deeper deeper end. But what I found is just exposing people to Scripture, the more you can do that, the better. The more you can do that, the better. The second thing I would say is this. Some sort of formalized kerygma series is very powerful. It really is. I mean, there's just no getting around it. There, there, there's, there's lots of reasons it's powerful. One of the reasons right off the bat that you'll see is that Catholics are bad at community. We're just not very good at, good at that. You know, uh, Compared to like our Protestant brothers and sisters, we're terrible. 
And so when you put on a charisma series like Discovering Christ or Alpha or the Life in the Spirit Seminar or any number of things, what happens is you create a community within the parish, you know, and, and right away that meets a need for people and it plays a, a big role. Okay. The second thing is the charisma is never, it's never out of fashion, right? It, it's, it's always useful in the life of a disciple. Some of these series like Alpha and Discovering Christ are clearly meant for someone who's a beginner, but that doesn't mean that someone who's not a beginner can't come in and find new insights into the charismatic message. And so promoting some kind of formalized charisma series is a great way to reach those other thousands of people that you're, you're nervous that you're not reaching. Okay. And what I would say about that is, um, I've done both. I, I've used programs and I have, and I've made my own. And what I would say is, I think unless you've done it for several years, I would use the program. And, and, and even though I've never found a program I'm 100% satisfied with, I would use the program. Okay. Why? Because again, what we're trying to do here is cast that wide net and, and Alpha and Discovering Christ and, and the other ones out there, right? Life in the Spirit Seminar, that's, that's exactly what they're meant to do is to cast a very wide net at the beginning and draw them as deep as they possibly can through that. And and they're also kind of package deals. So they're easy for you to run in the sense that pretty much anyone who's organized can run one of these series. Okay. They, they don't need to be teachers. They don't need to have a, a charism for this, although that would help. But the point is, is that if they're organized, they can pretty much run one of these series. Okay. So we've got exposing people to scripture. We've got exposing people to the charisma. Uh, we've got, and, and the next thing I want to say is um, basic church teaching, basic church teaching. And when I say basic church teaching, I'm separating it from the moral life at this point. Okay. I think we need to have a lot of refresher courses about what the Catholic church is, what different things in the church are. Like for instance, the baptismal font, why do we bless ourselves? Why do we make the sign of the cross? These kinds of things. I know you're probably thinking that's crazy. Why would someone have a class on that? But the truth is is that when I did have classes on that, they were very well attended. In fact, probably some of the most well attended things we did, you know, just something as simple as a church tour where you walked around and showed everyone uh, the different aspects of a church and, and what we call certain things and why we call them those things. Okay. So many, so many Catholics have no idea about like, you know, the fact that many altars have relics in them, you know, uh, and why those relics were in them. Those kinds of things really help for people to enter more fully into their Catholic faith. And so having that, what it does is it acquaints people to the to the faith that they already practice. And so it's kind of like they're not strangers anymore when they're at the mass. You know, you want to kind of give them permission to own that parish in a sense, you know, to, to be a, a real true part of it, uh, not just be like a kind of a bystander or an onlooker. Uh, so having those kind of teachings, talking about the saints, talking about uh, uh, dogmatic theology, those kinds of things are very, very fruitful in the sense that, Pretty much anyone at any level can get something out of them, especially especially if you have a person who knows how to make it charismatic, who knows how to make it scriptural, who knows how to blend all of those things, okay? The next thing I would say is, and, and it's the trickiest of all of them, is to have some kind of moral formation. 
whether that be talks uh, targeting uh, the Ten Commandments, whether it be presentations or small groups discussing different hot topics within the church, it's very tricky, okay, because it can right away throw water on, on, a, on, a, on a small flame. But if you do it correctly, right, and you, and you foster a, a sense of curiosity and you foster an openness to disagreement and questions and a little bit of argument, right, it can be very, very fruitful. Why? Because uh, for a lot of people, they hear something that the church teaches and they say, that's ridiculous. Obviously, the church doesn't know everything. Well, when you say, hey, I think that what the church teaches is true. I think all of it is true. And I'm I'm totally ready to hear every question and every every argument you have against it. If you're interested in that, let's let's go. Let's do that. Let's do it right now. And and let's be open and friendly about it. It gives them uh, another thing that they can trust, you know, about the church, another kind of anchor to hold them. And for a lot of people, it if they are violating the moral teachings of the church, it can be life-changing. So having some sort of moral formation can be very, very fruitful for a parish. Finally, I would say everyone, every parish everywhere should have a regular class on prayer, how to pray, okay? It seems crazy, <laughs> seems crazy that we don't. Every parish should have it. Uh, some people will, will argue with me and they'll say, well, no, the liturgy teaches us how to pray. But uh, that's tough. Okay, that's tough right now. It really doesn't right now. I don't, I don't know that our liturgy is accomplishing that at this moment, okay, in, in church history. And what I would say is that every person has a right to be able to communicate with their Lord, okay? So we need to teach them how to communicate correctly with God. And that should be a regular part of your parish. Again, no matter what level you're at, there's nothing wrong with learning how to pray, okay? You're going to learn more. You're going to learn insights. And if the class is done well, even if someone is a saint already, they're going to learn something uh, from that class, okay? Uh, so having those things as regular staples of parish life can serve, you know, so many disciples without you having to have uh, a relationship with a thousand people at one time, which is impossible, okay? Now, I, again, I want to stress, there is a, there is a tension here that you want to keep. You, you want to invest one-on-one -on -one with people, but you also want to be able to serve the parish at large. You know, there, there, are, there are also people who are never going to be in a relationship with you. That's just not what they want. So having things that can serve them will be very, very fruitful uh, it, where they can just come to an event, where they can just come and be anonymous. Some people just want that, you know. Those are kind of things that can be very, very fruitful and, and can really push people far in the life of discipleship, in the life uh, uh, in striving for, for sanctity and heroic holiness. These, these programmatic things can, can make a big difference in someone's life. And there are so many resources out there that really any director of evangelization uh, can do. Now, I want to I want to um, just make a few a few clarifying points here. How often should you have these things? Well, that's up to the parish. Okay, I I tended to offer things very often. Right, I tended to offer things very regularly. But if you're in a parish like, for instance, like at at, at Gomer's parish, it's it's 
difficult to even get a room scheduled, right? So it's not that easy to offer things that often because they have so much going on always. So if you wanted to put one of these programs in place, you kind of got to look at the, the the culture of your parish and the calendar and see what's possible. I also would say uh, make sure that you've done enough one-on-one evangelization, enough one-on-one discipleship, transformation, discipleship, whatever you want to call it, uh, so that you have leaders for these things. Because you can't be at all of them, although you might try, uh, but you'll get burnt out eventually. You want leaders to be able to take these things and move forward with them. So keep that tension, you know, and 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 be careful about what you implement. Some some places, like for instance, at, at my parish where I was at for a long time, I was able to just literally run these as a cycle, you know, like one month we did this, next month we did this, next month we did this, and and it just ran kind of fluidly, like that as a cycle, and it was very fruitful, you know, and you would see different people show up no no matter what kind of an event you had, uh, you know, this is what I was always amazed about. A different topic, a different time, a different night, all of them attracted different people. It did not matter what it was, you know, it, it, they all attracted different people. And for that, when I saw that, I felt like, okay, well, I want to offer a huge variety then because I want to meet all of them. I want to meet every person at the parish. I want to, I want to try to touch every life here. I want to try to, 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 you know, be as present as I possibly can. So I had morning events. I had lunchtime events. I had evening events, of course, like we all do. Having the time to be able to do this is is important. And so you want to kind of look at the calendar and, and be careful about that. The second thing I would say is uh, once you've started to do these things, you, you kind of start to recognize that you know, it kind of acts like a colander. Okay. You know, you, you kind of shake people through and there'll be certain people who just cannot get enough. Well, those people, you know, that's who you can start to invest in one-on-one, you know, in building a, a very personal relationship and trying to draw them into uh, a relationship with builds discipleship, right? That draws them into discipleship. Those people who, you know, just are so hungry for it, so dying to, to have all this, right? Those are people that, you know, you have probably a pretty good chance of drawing them deeper into a life of, you know, of, of serious apostolate of serious discipleship. And that could be that they trust you and you you try to disciple them a little bit, or it could be that you introduce them to someone who could be their spiritual director or to the pastor or to someone else who would be able to do that. So always be looking, right, for that, for that possibility of going one-on-one. Again, it's it's always better. It's always better in a relationship than a big program. There, There's no question about that. But my point is, is that that doesn't mean we have to throw programs out the window. We don't have to throw it out completely, okay? Uh, we can still serve a lot of the parish and and also be in one-on-one relationships ministering to people, okay? So uh, that is my basic answer uh, to his question. Now, what I, I, I want to just say is like, you know, try what's best for you. You're going to find things that you know I can wrap the kerygma in all of these topics. I can do it. There's no question about it. Move forward with that. Just start by doing some of these things. You don't have to do it all. But what I found is, is those kind of things, exposing people to Scripture, exposing people constantly to the kerygma, teaching people how to pray, teaching people about what, it, what Catholic is, teaching people about the moral life of their church, all of those things serve to move people along 
in discipleship. And even once they become an intentional disciple, it serves to, to push them into heroic holiness and a heroic virtue. So they're not done in vain ever. Uh, in a minute, we're going to hear from our sponsors at Ascension Press, uh, some, I'm sure some exciting product that they have that maybe might be perfect for you to use in one of these programs. And we'll be right back after that, or I'll be right back after that. I'm sad Gomer's not here, but I'll be right back after that to offer some closing thoughts. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it. But what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples, to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back to Every Knee Shall Bow. I hope that uh, that was fruitful for you, especially those of you who are working out in the vineyard and working for parishes. I know uh, so often, so many of our listeners work in parishes. I I can never believe it when I go to a conference or something where it's uh, church employees mostly, and I see how many listeners we have. So we're, we're really blessed to have that and to be in this big conversation with you. We haven't done uh, practical takeaways for a long time, but I want to give you just a few just to kind of like shake the cobwebs off, to remind ourselves what we're here for, right? To, to go to heaven and bring as many people possible with us. And so the first thing I want you to do in the next week is pull out that old testimony of yours, brush it up, take a look at it, practice it a few times, maybe do some tweaks there. Really go over your testimony this week. We haven't talked about it in a long time, okay? a long time. Number two, number two, I want you to review the charisma. Okay. The basics of basics. We're talking about uh, practical takeaways 101 here. Okay. Review the basic gospel message. All you got to do is Google it. Okay. You're going to see tons and tons and tons of things. Uh, Ascension has a little resource about the charisma. Uh, you can look there. And number three, okay. Number three, I want you to one, either Reach out to someone in your life who needs prayer and pray for them in person or two, okay, reach out to someone in their life in your life who you know needs to tell their story and offer to be the person that they tell that story to, you know, engage them in a conversation, have a cup of coffee and let them go and don't interrupt and just listen, 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 okay? Those are three easy evangelization things. They're not easy to do, but they're easy concepts at least to, to get. And uh, honestly, if you do those three things, you're, you're going to be an active evangelist. So please continue to pray for uh, my family and for Gomer's family. Uh, we just we just can't appreciate it enough. And, and we're so appreciative of Ascension Press for being so flexible uh, with us. Uh, I'm sure we're driving them crazy because they never know who's going to be on the episode or when they're going to get it. So uh, continue to pray for us and support Ascension. We love being a part of that community. And uh, please, if you have any questions at all, email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com. 
God bless you all. Have a great day.